News Hub and particularly the host Patrick Gower hyped it up a lot. He said this would be election-defining in advance. That's possibly News Hub style. They don't uh, tend to hide their light under a bushel when they've got something to promote. But Patrick um, did take an interesting stance as the moderator. Uh, he moved it along, push them to give an answer, not allow them to deflect, but not spend too much time if it was clear he wasn't going to get an answer to a straightforward mm. question. Um, but he did say he popped up on News Hub at 6 to... Uh, preview the thing an hour before they went on and he said you know uh, I hope uh, the leaders won't know this they won't be listening but I'm going to tell you viewers uh, we're going to go straight up the guts from the start which I thought was you know, a bit of a single thing Ooh, how, how, what is he going to go in on and it was as I thought does this mean crime you know real hot button issue and sure enough it was but this this uh, this bit of audio here does highlight perhaps the approach they were going to take um, not so much a question uh, for the both of the leaders but a kind of confrontational scenario, if you like, they'd have to consider. You're in your local dairy and a young shoplifter, let's say they're 13 years old, comes out of the store running away with some stuff that they've stolen. I want to know whether you two have the chance to stop this person. What would you do? Mm, How did they respond to that? Uh, They were both anxious to say they would be men of action and try and stop crime if they could safely. Uh, but they were you know, also encouraging people not to try and be what I think they call in the UK a have-a-go hero where yeah. you, know, you can end up getting prosecuted and uh, they don't want to be saying things that the police would then be interviewed by journalists about saying, no, this is not the sort of vigilante tactics we want and that doesn't make the public safer, etc. So uh, either yeah, kind of a tough one uh, for them, but it was their opportunity to say, you know, they recognise how serious retail crime is and that they have a plan of action. Um, so, yes, the, they both tried to use that as a springboard to actually amplify their own policies, but that's what expected. So they, didn't, they weren't prepared to do a Todd Scott from NBR and, um, you know, try and uh, citizens arrest a person. Well, if I was to be the politician, I'd say, that, uh, Mark, what I'm clearly telling you uh, here, uh, that the reality is that that's a very different scenario because yeah. the Todd Scott scenario with the uh, owner of the NBR wrestled a, what he described as a large gentleman uh, stealing alcohol from a centre city or supermarket and pinned him to the ground. The scenario that Patrick Gow presented those guys was with, was a 13-year-old. Yes. So, yeah. yes. Now, some of the pundits criticised the first debate on TVNZ last week as a, a bit bland. Did, did you think uh, the amped-up version uh, was as a result of that, do you think? They wanted a different reaction? I, I think it might have been, but again, it might be just News Hub's style anyway. Yeah. They tend to kick a bit harder maybe let's put it like that but also they had the minor parties debate News Hub did last week that was I think News Hub Nation show took that over and their host Rebecca Wright and that was much more lively though partly that was because of the personalities involved obviously (laughs) a very different range of people in in the four um, other parliamentary parties and and New Zealand First uh, who obviously want to be back in, in parliament so that was a very different so that was Winston and, and David Seymour and uh, Debbie Nareo Packer. Yes, and Marama Davidson and Marama, yeah. from from the Greens. And um, the, but as Jane Patterson mentioned there in your chat, News Hub tonight filled one half of the um, surrounding audience. So alongside the the lecterns where the leaders were with undecided voters, and another side with under 25s and Patrick Gower said on News Hub at 6 in the preview that they're really important this is about them you know and disappointingly they didn't actually feature they weren't consulted uh, mm. in in that um, that part of the debate and or, or afterwards as to what they thought which I thought was a shame though interesting 
And actually here, um, you know, there was an audience, there was a bit of a vibe, there was reaction. Um, and actually here's a little uh, example of that difference of approach. Our view has been that there's a deteriorating set of books. We also have a situation where Chris has actually been playing quite a game where actually there are fiscal cliffs around things like Farm Act funding or school lunch Christopher funding. Christopher promised that he would release his fiscal plan we'll have it before people Friday started morning. voting. Christopher, if you can't keep your promises and, and in opposition, and why should New Zealanders believe you'll keep your promises well, in government? Well, Chris, let, let's... let's... <laughs> OK, here is it. Let's get down to some... Let's get, let get, let's get down to some cold, hard facts. <laughs> so... That, that was good. The ads for tonight's debate said that they're going to, as you pointed out at the start, get to the guts of the big issues, uh, namely the cost of living, the climate change, education and crime. So we've talked about crime. Uh, did they live up to the others? I've just got scribbles all over my notes here, but Cyclone Gabriel was mentioned with people intimately affected by it um, in the studio audience that were interviewed by Lloyd Burr, their correspondent, so that was good. They tackled sort of rainbow rights and issues, uh, which didn't really come up much in the, the TVNZ one. Those sort of personal moral questions questions that are a bit awkward with Christopher Lux and the abortion issue, his faith. Um, and uh, yeah, that that was one where it was awkward for Chris Hipkins as well, not wanting to be, you know, disrespectful or, or but Pat, Patrick Gow actually as the as the host and moderator took that on. There was also um, the bit about racism and they referred back to that at the end of the discussion they had a bit much like the TVNZ one with three uh, pundits although it was a different cast. But one of them was Julian Wilcox, the um, uh, leading Māori uh, broadcaster and Mapuna. journalist. Mapuna, Mapuna here on RNG. Indeed, indeed yeah. so. Julian mentioned that he'd been on the campaign trail and had seen candidates of identifiably um, ethnicities or non-Pakia, non-white ethnicities, and he said he'd seen it, you know, that in their face they were getting hostility that was clearly based on, you know, their, their appearance and their difference or whatever. He said that's a fact and that is something that needed to, to be confronted. It, it was slightly awkward in the debate where when asked, you know, is New Zealand a racist country? That was the question Patrick Gower bluntly put to them. Mm. Uh, Chris Hipkins took the opportunity to be party political about it and said, Chris Luxon is, I think, what do you say, trying to reach political accommodation with people who are, and that drew a kind of a intake of breath from people who thought that was yeah. mm. so a real moment of tension in the the debate. Anyhow, on climate change, seeing as you mention it, I think it's kind of a shame because on on that it, that it wasn't perhaps more discussed, and also in the general news because on Monday, Labor announced um, a climate manifesto as it was described, a second emissions uh, reduction plan, a ministerial role to oversee the transition to lower emissions, quite important stuff. But of course, that got overshadowed by election politics, if you like, on that day, because that was the day Christopher Luxon made his position on New Zealand First clear, you know, in a Facebook video that had been leaked to media, I think, before uh, the night before. So they all had it prepped to talk about on Monday. And that took a bit of the steam out of, mm. out of that, that sort of party, that electioneering, if you like, uh, you know, away from an issue that, um, you know, really ought to be front and centre of the debate. And for TVNZ, I just want to make a separate point on that. I think they really ought to cover this more in the news because on Sunday, uh, their, their politics show Q&A ran a poll asking about what New Zealanders would be prepared to do or not do to meet climate change commitments. And, you know, more than two thirds said they, they weren't prepared to pay more for petrol and electricity if, if, uh, to, to reduce emissions if they had to, which is, uh, you know, an interesting finding worth debating. And do you remember that fuss about the Energy Efficiency and Conservation Authority mm. buying space on TVNZ news programs right. to air climate change and also a full 
one-hour special hosted by TVNZ journalists. So if, if yeah. they're going to cover it when they get a check, they ought to cover it perhaps uh, when it comes up in election time uh, when they TVNZ has said that airing that sponsored stuff was, uh, in their words, part of their own commitment to sustainability. Yeah. Uh, TVNZ ran other election debates this week. Of course, it was the youth issued one on Monday and a Māori issues one on Tuesday. Uh, did you take a look at those? Yep, sure did. Uh, watched all those all the way through. They were only online, though, on the TVNZ Plus on-demand service. And I think that was a bit of a shame because perhaps the, the non-youth adjacent audience that might be mm. more likely to be watching on primetime on TV1 could really benefit from seeing it. So mm. that was hosted, the youth one, by um, Isaac Gunson from One News's digital team and Anna Harcourt. And she's the editor of the digital content service TVNZ has for younger people uh, called RE. Um, and actually, we're going to have her on uh, Media Watch, uh, all being well, this Sunday to talk about what you mentioned with Jane there, how media can play a role uh, in attracting mm. more young people to politics and having their issues aired. But here's how Anna introduced uh, the youth debate on uh, Tuesday night. Kia ora koutou. In the supermarket today, one cabbage was $7. With that and the cost of rent, plus, of course, you know, the impending doom of climate change, it can feel like a pretty shit time to be a young person. We've got politicians here to tell us what they're going to do about it. So that's pretty straightforward. What, what, uh, or straight hitting? Uh, yeah. What issues did they cover apart from those costly cabbages? Yeah, well, on uh, tu- uh, Monday night, not Tuesday, as I just said, um, never wrong for long, um, they, they covered quite a bit. So what they did was they got Ipsos, the survey company, to work out what they thought uh, to survey younger voters and what, what they were their top issues. And also they said their own surveys they conducted through their own platform, Re News. Uh, so cost of living was the main one, uh, no surprises there but also climate rainbow rights and housing were the top four um, and they had pretty good discussions uh, on other things as well differences on you know tax housing immigration also that dentistry policy came up pretty well but one part uh, that had I think the most impact in in the debate and their sort of filmed inserts was uh, short interviews with Tamaki I think they were from Tamaki High School but mm. a lot of senior kids at the high school who were working I shouldn't say kids senior young adults uh, senior students, students Working some of them more than 20 hours a week, often you know early in the mornings to make money for their whanau, and mm. um, that that was you know ha- really had an impact uh, on I think mm. some of the candidates and also the audience who played a role because uh, the, there were questions from the audience in this debate too, which was another difference. Well, I read today I think some 12 year olds are out working now as well, leaving school early to to work. You know, mm. family commitments, no doubt. the The debate was intended to air issues for millennials and Gen Z or Gen Z, should I say? The, the parties put forward young candidates for that debate. Yeah, interesting because you know, I don't think you need to. I think everybody has knows young people has them in their family. Whatever, mm. I don't think it needs to be exclusively that way. But uh, there was, for example, uh, Hana Rafati Mapai Clark of mm. Te Pāti Māori. She's twenty one. Um, she performed really well, in my humble opinion. Um, and New Zealand First had their number twelve on the list. Lee Donahue, who is um, I don't know exactly his age, but he presents as a very uh, young person. Uh, Labour put up uh, Arena Williams MP, who's I think thirty. Three Act put up Deputy Brooke Van Velden, I guess one of the younger crew, and the Greens had uh, Chloe Swarbrick, who I guess is their kind of standard bearer for uh, youth issues. But um, the Herald's Audrey Young pointed out that uh, the National Party put up Erica Stanford, um, who is uh, some way older than uh, the National Party's, uh, in her words, Audrey Young's words, 
young fogey Simeon Brown, who was 32, who was, I guess, maybe she thought their most obvious candidate for the young debate. Young fogey, I love it. Yeah, but I mean, it did create this rather awkward kind of gender imbalance on the platform. So there were uh, uh, five women and then just uh, suit and tie wearing Lee Donoghue for New Zealand First. And he looked a bit isolated when he introduced himself. He said one of the main things uh, New Zealand First would bring would be to counter woke extremism. Um, and, you know, he was saying quite a few things that were, uh, you know, the others were just not sympathetic to. Mm. And, you know, one bloke and other women pretty much taking a contract. It did look a little bit awkward. And during the Rainbow Rights section, it actually got pretty heated because uh, Lee Donner, he was trying to defend his leader, Winston Peters' um, policy statements about things like school toilets and bathrooms and transgender people in sports. Um, but uh, aside from that, there was a, a kind of fun moment when um, Lee Donahue gave uh, an unexpected answer in this, this bit, which was about climate policy. Are you afraid of dying in an extreme weather event caused by climate change? No, I'm not afraid. You've been... I have yes. to ask, what? Yeah, I was in Rome uh, with a friend of mine. We went to an Iron, Maid, Iron Maiden concert <laughs> and uh, we were walking over this bridge and I was like, wow, look at that lightning. That's pretty cool. Bam! And, wow. uh, yeah, Not climate like. change related, but yeah. that is, that is a, a pretty... very interesting story. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> so, as some other politics nerds have noted, that uh, Lee Donoghue can now be added to the roll call of politicians um, who, you know, fairly mentioned in passing that they've been hit by lightning. I think in the case of Maureen Pugh MP, more than once, possibly three times, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You're not How coming across this in your series of election interviews. Not so far, not so far. Although, speaking of the young vote, I, I did interview uh, Shane Jones today. Um, and you know what? He's got a new career in TikTok. <laughs> He's been doing these little TikTok videos. I've seen them. And yeah, and some of them have had four hundred and sixty thousand views. For goodness sake, yeah, he's getting youth adjacent. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. In fact, that's it came right. up in the News Hub debate today that um, Chris Luxon said he was on TikTok, but the question was actually about security yes. and uh, information security. And you know, there weren't many laughs to be had about that. Actually, no, indeed not. Mm. So, how did the TVNZ Maori issues debate go? Yes, this was on Tuesday. Uh, the Youth Issues one on, on the Monday, so yeah, 24 hours later. Um, this was hosted by TVNZ's political editor, Mikey Sherman. Here's how she kicked it off. Welcome to TVNZ's Kaupapa Māori debate. Umupokopoka Torangapu is akin to a political hangi pit. On the menu, pitches and policy aplenty, promises and posturing, of which our live audience and you at home will be the judge. To the candidates, whether you came in the spirit of two, the god of war, or the spirit of rongo, the god of peace, let our court it all be respectful. Well, Shane Jones said to me this morning it was a zoo. <laughs> what? I don't think so. I mean, it was. Uh, I think there was a, some from column two and some from column wrong. Let's put it that way. Yes. A bit of peace and war. Uh, but look, they, they had not only Shane Jones, they had Willie Jackson, mm. uh, John Tamahiri for Te Pāti Māori, um, you know, all who can be combative at times and uh, not, not give any quarter given. Marama Davidson uh, for the Greens as well, Karen Chua for ACT. So the, there was a lot uh, there, to, to the, a lot of presence on the stage and a lot to argue about. It did get a bit out of hand at times when it divided into two. So, for example, when the issue of wealth taxes came up, 
uh, yeah, it did get awkward um, because yeah, there, there were two groups rather than a, a range of views from from the parties. Karen Chua of ACT got quite offended when others accused the leader Winston, uh, sorry, David Seymour of divisive rhetoric, and she's look, this is very rude. He's not here to defend herself uh, himself, but you know that that was her job. She was representing she uh, the party, um, but they also on that. Um, uh, that just like the youth debate, they used Ipsos to survey Māori voters' concerns and determine the priorities for the debate. So it was well set up. It wasn't um, random. And, and when they did this thing that I'm a bit mixed about, when they have the quick fire questions to try and break it up and move yeah. on, um, which can but, be a bit, a bit like they were all like Māori specific issues, like should women mm. have the right to speak on Marae? Did Māori cede sovereignty in the treaty? What's your view? And they gave a rapid answer. And that, that was a, a different kind of viewing experience. Any awkward or revealing moments? Yep, a couple. So I picked them out for you. So <laughs> one for the National Party's Tama uh, Potaka early on. He was asked, you know, about the pretty modest benefit uh, that some Māori whanau would earn uh, from Nationals' uh, tax cuts. Mm-hmm. I put the Māori median wage through National's own tax calculator. It saves an individual without children. It saves them $8.31 a fortnight, $4.15 a week. Probably that sounds like carrots and beans. Oh, it's more than the carrots and beans, broccoli and Brussels sprouts. What can you that, buy uh, for $4.15? What can I buy for $4.15? A couple of protein bars. Uh, a lot of rice. Wow. And that's, go- that's going to feed the whānau, is it? No, 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 it's not going to feed the whānau. <laughs> yes, an <laughs> awkward moment for him, but good prep there from Mikey, you know, putting the Māori average income uh, into the calculation there. Uh, and, yeah, I don't think he was prepared for that. But there was also an awkward moment for someone. Mikey asked all the candidates, which one of you are landlords, you know, and, and rent out houses, uh, and would they be lowering their rents? What about you, Willie? Will you lower your rent? Uh, they already pay bugger all. Okay, so... I can tell you what they pay. You know, I have a whare in Rotorua, they pay $50 a week. i got a whare up here, uh, and they pay $100 a week. So I would, I, you know, and I $50, pay... $50? $100? Right. Oh, took all the coke Let us know when that comes up from trade me, Willie. I think the whanau want to know. I've got proof of it. You can talk to the tenants after this. No hot water. No, no, no. Oh, it's in Rotorua, they don't need it. <laughs> yes, if you didn't catch that, we were saying one of his uh, rental houses was in Rotorua and Tama Potaka from National, his rival, chatting it. Oh, probably no hot water then, eh? That's why it's so cheap. <laughs> it's Rotorua, you don't need it. But I, I realise I've played a couple of sort of rowdy bits there, but there was lots of, uh, you know, serious and earnest debate mm. of big issues. It was all pretty well handled by Mikey Sherman and absolute broadcast standards. So that really could have been on TV One, like the youth debate, for more mm. people to see it, I, I think. Yeah, I would have thought that would be, you know, quite appealing, actually. But anyway, mm. any other election coverage of note? This yeah, week? yeah, quite a bit more. So I'm sorry we were filling the whole slot with this, but almost. But for Katha Māori, Māori Television has been doing debates every Tuesday and Thursday uh, for candidates in the in the Māori electorates. On Tuesday it was Te Tai Tonga. Uh, Tina Wycliffe hosts these, and that actually clashed with TVNZ's Māori debate, which was a bit of a shame, but of course these days all available on demand. And last Thursday they had the Ikaroa Rafa, um, electorate debate. Now that covers the whole eastern North Island all the way down to Hutt Valley and Wellington and Mickey Forbes uh, for her series Mata, which is a sort of TVNZ, RNZ co-production or hosted on both, funded by uh, Te Mangai Pāho. Uh, she toured the, the region and she said in that that a third of, according to their voter surveys, a third of voters there were still undecided, which is quite interesting. And uh, she also made the point that, of course, this is a region where a lot of people are still suffering the after effects of Cyclone Gabriel, which hasn't come up as much as I thought it would do in mm. general coverage of the election campaign. But one of the people she met 
in this bit of audio here was uh, Teresa Thornton, and she spoke to Mihi in uh, Ropanga, which is a small town a bit south of Wairoa. It was a beautiful, pristine creek, and now it's just a big mess. It's just full of debris, I mean, metres high, full of slash and debris. What does this community need from government to ensure that you have these resources forever? Um, well, we need to get back to basics. They need to come in here and clean their mess up because we didn't create the mess in our waterways. It was never created. Our our are never farmed like that. Mm. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thought I just realised listening to that clip that that just sounds like someone airing a grievance. What was interesting was about that com- that community, and, and Mihi put it in her report, they built their own water system to um, up on the hill uh, and turned the, the, the creek that she mentioned there was actually feeding this water system, a whole system of tanks. So they'd acted, you know, off, off their own bat uh, to, to for the resilience of, of their community. But now the, the creek was suffering, as she was saying there, from all the, the stuff coming down. And so it's a bit sad. I saw that clip actually gives a slightly wrong impression, but it was a, it was a really good look at, the, you know, what was going on in that community. A revealing look at a large and, and diverse region, yeah. I, I would, guess you'd say. Yeah, and actually reminded me of something that I wanted to mention to you last time we spoke, and I clean forgot, but mm. another person touring that area, another journalist, was Leonard Powell from RNZ's First Up program. He did a mm-hmm. pre-election roadie from Fakatane down around the East Cape, filmed some uh, and filed some lovely stuff. Uh, one report from Tokomaru Bay is the, the first one of those that I heard. But the Gisborne Herald has actually been running uh, Leonard's written versions. It's a series in the paper, which I thought was great. But when I, saw it, when I went looking for it, I found only um, one of the readers had written to the paper to complain under the headline, Journalism? Really? What was the issue there? Well, this guy had written and say. Mr. Powell stopped at exactly how many towns? One, Tokomari Bay. How many people did he interview? Three. And one of them was obviously prearranged. Yeah. Journalism, not in my 40 years in the news business, but <laughs> this guy who I'll call Albert, uh, that's not his name, didn't seem to realise it was part of a series. And there were plenty of people in it that Leonard yeah. spoke to. So I'm not quite sure what he was complaining about there. And any more election debates? Any coverage? Yes, just briefly, the RNZ and the Pacific Media Network teamed up for a Pacific Issues uh, debate this week. Uh, and that made the point also that this is the fastest growing section of the the voting public and but possibly not one focused on a lot when the campaign heats up and also of course your own series mark uh rumbles on Uh, it's a 10 part series isn't it on uh sky open and and country tv uh the channel formerly known as prime sky open so you had damien o'connor on tuesday uh which i uh, saw part of and mark cameron of act on wednesday now i know Mark Cameron has ended up in the news because, you know, he he became a story because some of these fairly fringe views of his on social media from before he became an MP or fairly shortly before. Pretty nasty comments, you have to say. Yes, and these these he says he now has kind of rejected. I know you brought it up because it could hardly be avoided, although Mm. you really want to talk about rural issues, which is the point of the interviews. Mm. But when you did bring it up, I I was interested in his answer, and this is how he uh, explained it to you. We just recently bought this farm. I'd been diagnosed with kidney disease um, only a few years earlier. They said, yeah, look, you're going to be lined up for a transplantation. Same disease John Lomu had. So this is all new to me. Uh, And then we've got this thing called the Zero Carbon Act. All my dreams were being marginalised the way I saw it. And I didn't know where my future lay. The fact that I was more active in my language is probably in part all the things that were going wrong. And then we got Dean Bovis. 
Yeah, so <laughs> I thought there was an interesting level of self-analysis and, um, you know, he did also use the word visceral. I used fairly visceral language. Of course, not just the language he used, the concepts. It's the things about vaccines, control, uh, I think the United Nations and some sort of fairly conspiracy-adjacent stuff. So why, when things are going wrong, you quite latch onto that stuff? He didn't really go there. However, you know, he explained that this was a response to pressure and that probably is what happens to other people and I think in the course of an interview because these last the better part of an hour don't they you were yeah, yes, yeah. yeah and then he was also he was he was pretty thoughtful about um, you know not willing to give ground on some things to do with methane emissions and so on which mm. people who want to push harder for agricultural sector to join the the, the battle to bring emissions down uh, wouldn't be satisfied by what he had to say but you know he, he was thoughtful and perhaps you know, interesting for people to watch that who may only know of him from you know the news based commentaries about mining his social media from uh, the time shortly before yes. he entered parliament. Yeah, it was, it's been interesting, actually. And the, the, the way the different politicians, um, uh, you know, do the interviews, the older politicians, the Damien O'Connors have had uh, David Parker and uh, James Shaw give good full, fulsome answers. Um, I found with David Seymour, he is very quick and very much on message. And mm. uh, you get through the questions too quickly. And I was about three quarters of the way through thinking, I'm going to run out of questions. No, well, you have, you have uh, <laughs> listeners' questions as well. That's oh, right, viewers, we have sorry, viewers', viewers questions, questions yeah, written in come up on the screen. So. Yeah, no, the one thing good. I did find a bit funny, it's called The Road to the Beehive, and um, I'm not trying to be mean here, no. but I like the way the set is like a couple of armchairs with the backdrop of a road leading to the beehive. It does look, I do, when I first glanced at it, I think, you know, you do worry about some Fonterra tanker or something. You know, Coming through the, the distance, you have to you know, quickly separate the, the chairs till the truck goes by, but of course, it's all just the backdrop. <laughs> it is, of course. It's the fireside chat. <laughs> yeah. Colin, fireside chat. Indeed. So now we've got a couple of minutes left, three minutes. Um, what would you like to go in more political polls or? Yeah, I'll just briefly mention uh, mention the polls because uh, obviously we're on a big political kick tonight. So another poll uh, this evening, Wednesday, uh, TVNZ's latest one, they're weekly now. So they say um, that this showed, you know, Winston Peters can expect the call. They put it, this is the line uh, they're, uh, they're running. But I was a little surprised with the way news have presented it. So this is how political editor Jenna Lynch hyped it up in advance on social media. Tonight we will bring you a blockbuster, the latest News Hub Red Research poll. This is a game changer. The face of this election is changing in more ways than one. Tune in for the dramatic results. Results not dramatic enough? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I mean, it was similar to the results of other polls. Of course, this one, New Zealand first got over the 5.2%, but other polls have had them about there as well. Um, so I think... The point really for me is that they're saying this will change the game. Maybe it will, but you know that that's a margin of error poll, and it may not be the same in three weeks' time. And I don't think News Hub did enough to justify introducing the poll that night like this. Both Labour and National have taken a dive. While wait for it, Winston Peters has crossed the threshold. He is coming back to Parliament, and his kingmaker crown is sitting atop his head once more. Our political editor Jenna Lynch is here now with the numbers, so Jenna, when he's back. Yes, the kingmaker is back. Yeah, so I don't think that's particularly good reporting. He's not back until we vote in the election and you know we will let them know, as I think I said to you last time, and mm. within the margin of error result in a survey of a thousand people three weeks out, I don't think is sufficient to conclude that.
And in fact, I think Peters is very quick to say that uh, nothing's decided, no one's voted yet, you know. I think he's he's hanging out for the early votes coming <laughs> in uh, from October the 2nd. People start their voting, uh, you know, to, to he's trying to get in first, basically. Yeah, for sure. Hey, can I mention something super briefly, just sure. in the few seconds we have? TVNZ got in touch with me in the weekend on Media Watch. We reported on them announcing they were going to appoint a full-time reporter in Dunedin, which they haven't had for months, which is great. And I, I used the word black spot when I referred to you know their, their office in Dunedin being without a journalist. They wrote in to say they do in fact still have a full-time camera operator and a sports reporter, Michelle Prendable. And I'd asked if their cutbacks that we reported on last week meant they'd have to suspend that Dunedin reporter. But they say, nope, they'll be appointing it. But the Bureau is still a going concern with three people in it. But it really does need a permanent uh, news reporter. So they're getting 